<laughs> Strawberry Ice doing a victory lap. <laughs> oh, oh, you see. <laughs> to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trunnipole and as always i'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of the number five ranked university of cincinnati bearcats and of course jackpot joey burrow now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up you guys rock i'm up to 1387 subscribers that is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notifications. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat, we're doing super chats. 
So if you'd like to support what I'm doing, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. Now I'm being brought to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys. If you caught the beginning of the show, I played my Bengals victory lap again, mostly for my, my guest today because he actually shouted me out on Twitter and retweeted it of how much he enjoyed it. And coming from this guy, that means awful lot. He is Bearcat broadcaster, Jim Kelly. Jim, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm going to tell you, I love that lap. Love seeing <laughs> it again. And uh, I know if the Bearcats run short on wide receivers or running backs, where they can find one this weekend. Uh, yeah, I don't think they need a fat 47-out-of-shape-year-old man running around. I was tired by the time I got – if you notice, by the time I got to the other side and I started running up the hill, I started slowing down a lot. So Yeah, but it was great. And, um, you know, absolutely love the celebration. So let's let's get into – the reason of the celebration was the victory uh, we had over the Irish on Saturday. And what was that like? You were there. You're broadcasting it. I mean, you played for the Bearcats. You – been there from the 70s to the 80s and 90s to today through all these coaches what's that what's this mean to you as a bearcat broadcaster and what was it like being there well um yeah i mean i think if you you have to really kind of think about how it all happened mike bone set up the game with brian kelly and the folks at notre dame and that was done about two and a half years ago so at that particular point in time it didn't mean a whole lot other than the fact that somewhere down the road, you were going to have a big game. Um, and the big game at that point would be against the perennial power Notre Dame. And Cincinnati was improving under the, I guess it would have been the, the second year of Luke Fickle and um, maybe the third year, I think. And they had a pretty good year that year. You're thinking, okay, well, you know, somewhere down the road, that this could be a meaningful game and just going up to Notre Dame, being in that stadium, that venue on that campus, uh, year in and year out, a pretty good football team has been in the college football playoffs the last few years, um, you, you know, but it was still a ways off. Well, as right. last year materialized and the Bearcats, you know, and, and the, found themselves in the Peach Bowl against Georgia after an undefeated season, it was like, okay, this could be a really interesting uh, game next year. And of course, preseason came and um, there was talk about Cincinnati getting to the college football playoffs. Well, one of the things that they needed in there's been a lot written about this is check a few boxes. One, they had to have a good previous year check to 2020. They went nine and zero, and then barely lost to Georgia in the, in the peach bowl. And secondly, they had to have a non-conference schedule that would include some pretty good teams. And on the schedule at the beginning of this year were the Indiana Hoosiers and, and Notre Dame fighting Irish, of course. So the, the, the feeling there was if you could knock off Indiana and then get to Notre Dame, you're going to be getting some national attention. And that's exactly what happened. And it ended up being the perfect storm. The Bearcats did beat Indiana. Um, the trip to Notre Dame, and, and you mentioned we had a little chance to talk before. You've been up there. You've seen the campus. It's beautiful. beautiful. I've been yeah. to a couple of football games there um, and not a Cincinnati game, of course, until this weekend. And, and the way it worked out just with, you know, a huge amount of people heading up to South Bend from the Cincinnati area and the Bearcats playing a, uh, a very strong football game and, and, and winning it. And with the support of the fans, uh, it is just a perfect day. It really was. The weather could have been a little nicer, but uh, it stopped raining about noon in order for the two thirty game to get going. 
and ended up being just a just a great game, great day and a great game. And honestly, I was up there for the weekend, a great weekend. And um, boy, I you know, you can't create things like that. It just happens. And like I said at the beginning, a, a lot of things fell in place here. The, you know, the stars aligned and um, here we are talking about it after the game. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure when Brian Kelly signed this, you know, deal two years ago, he's probably like, yeah, it'll be, be easy win. Uh, no big deal. You know, cause I mean, you see, we went to Ohio state and let's be honest, we've gotten our ass kicked when we went yep. to, to Ohio yep. state. So only Brian Kelly's, ah, yeah, it'll be an easy win. Ah, it was not an easy win. I think it was a dominating performance by UC. I mean, to be honest, if Desmond Ritter doesn't, you know, have the, uh, the, the sack fumble, right. I, I don't think they score. I, I think it's a shutout to be honest. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, I never once there, – there can be times in a game when you say, wow, they got lucky, right? Never felt in this game that Cincinnati was not the better team. And, and I mean that by a bunch. I mean, you know, it wasn't total domination by any means. And when the game got to 17-13, to 13, of course, everybody started to think, okay, well, if they score again. But, but I, I really honestly, the way that Cincinnati had moved the ball at times in the game – um, I thought, you know what? All they got to do is go back to the basics. That's exactly what they did, and they pulled away. And like I said, I never felt that um, – I never felt Notre Dame was e- even close to as good as Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad – I, I, I'll put it this way. I did get nervous because <laughs> – Sure. Of, of just the, how many times this has happened. And, you know, like the, the Georgia game. I, I uh, Jim, it was funny. I, I, I went on here. And I basically said, after we found out we're playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl, I said, I think we have a chance to win. And, oh, my God, <laughs> Georgia fans came after me, which a couple of them still actually uh, like my show and, and comment every once in a while. But uh, I was just like, I, I have, think we have a chance to beat you. I didn't say we were going to. I said we have a chance. That's why I was with Notre Dame. I was more confident going into Notre Dame than I was Georgia. But then the Georgia uh, had a kick of, what, a 56-yard field goal to, to for a freshman kicker to win it. Correct. So like, oh, so it's like every time it's like it always feels like the Bearcats would get this close, you're this close. I'm like, please don't do it again. Like, come on. And then the defense stepped up. Desmond Ritter stepped up. I mean, our defense is phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I think we got at least on the team total, probably at least three or four guys that have a shot of, of being first round picks in, in this year's draft. Yeah. So um, a couple of guys solidified their, you know, their status in that case, um, in that, that, that first round. And, you know, Sauce Gardner's oh. just, you know, I, I guess I looked at him last year, and of course he had the big pick against UCF two years ago and all that, and no question he's good. But all of a sudden, um, I'm watching him this year, and people are, number one, they don't go at him very often when they do, and you think you'd have a tendency to kind of fall asleep or at least, you know, kind of take a play off because nobody's ever coming at you. He has made every play, and he has solidified himself, in my opinion, as a first-round draft choice. Absolutely. My Jay Sanders, um, who I don't believe has a full sack. I think he has a half a sack now. He has a good number of tackle for losses. But he he has just created all of the other havoc because they're using two and three people, two linemen, a tight end maybe in a lineman, mm-hmm. a tight end, a lineman, and a back to chip on him to keep him away. So he's he, and he could have gone out last year. He wouldn't have been a first-round draft choice, but he might have been a second or a third. And then you throw Desmond Ritter in there as another guy. And I don't know that he's first round, but he's certainly moving up the, the ladder pretty quickly. And another guy that I believe because of what he was able to do in the Notre Dame game is Alec Pierce. I mean, he 
he, number one, everybody knew that he had a great vertical leap. He's a tall guy. He's uh, he's got you know four or five speed. But what he was able to do at Notre Dame, two of those catches in particular that he high pointed, mm-hmm. he went up against you know not necessarily all American, but guys that are you know guys that also are going to be in the league. Right. And he and he just dominated. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if they're all first round draft choices, but after that performance, those four guys and there's probably others. I mean, I think Jerome Ford's an NFL prospect. Yep. He, you know, he needs to get it on track a little bit, but that's not necessarily his doing. It's the play calling. And, you know, they want to run. I think they want to run a little bit more this week. And, and secondly, offensive line certainly is a is a big thing for a running back in order to make you successful. And not that their offensive line is bad. I thought they've done a good job. But, you know, I think I think you're going to see Cincinnati try to run the ball more this week against Temple. But I, I saw those guys have great games against Notre Dame and and they had great games earlier in the season, too. And some of them have solidified their, um, you know, their, their spot in the NFL draft or at least moved up the ladder again. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I want to confirm a story and hopefully you can confirm it for me you know, of, of, of Sauce Gardner being a freshman and wanting to be called Sauce. And from what I understand, he he said you got somebody told me he's got to earn that or something like that. And then by the end of like I think the first practice or something like that, they're like, oh yeah, we're we're calling you Sauce now or, or something like that. Do, do, do you have you heard that story? Yes. So the, the the nickname did not come from anything here in Cincinnati, which everybody seems to think it had something to do with Montgomery Inn or Skyline or, or whatever. Chili, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. He he actually he got the nickname in high school. Um, and it, I don't even remember at this particular point in time why he got it, but he did want to be called. He wanted it as part of his name, and that's exactly what happened. The senior said, oh, hold on there, freshman. You know, <laughs> you know, just like you've got to earn the C, Paul, on the side of your helmet, right. you've got to earn the, the uh, you know, the, the right to use a nickname like that. And um, right away he showed that he was going to fit in, and uh, they said, okay, you know, you can use the word sauce. And uh, – <laughs> He does from time to time. He still calls himself a mod as well. But, um, yeah, he's going to be known as Sauce Gardner, that's for sure. Well, I'm hoping he's uh, he's known as Sauce Gardner, a Cincinnati Bengal. <laughs> this yeah, is we'll see draft. about that. But um, clearly, um, and he, you saw the Notre Dame quarterback's comments, and he didn't name him by name, but he, in the postgame, uh, news conference after the Notre Dame game, he said, "Yeah, that uh, that corner is pretty good." So, <laughs> yeah, just little, I mean, I mean, there's been games where, where this year where teams haven't even thrown his way. I mean, they, they, during the game, Luke put yeah. him on the tight end, the uh, Myers from from uh, Northern Kentucky. He put That's him on correct. a tight end, and that tight end's got what at least 100 pounds on him, and he's going to be shut yeah. down. Yeah, I mean, at least 65 pounds, 265 yeah. to 195, 200. Yeah, yeah. Not only that. Um, Ty Trifogel, uh, Freifogel, rather, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. He caught 13 passes against Ohio State last year. How many did he get on Sauce Gardner? One <laughs> for 13 yards. And it was kind of, it was a, um, Cincinnati had jumped off sides. Yeah. And it was kind of one of those free plays that you know you have as a quarterback. And kind of um, one of those things where they took the catch over the, penalty because right. you know it was 13 yards right. versus five right but um that that in in he had two passes this past week caught him so it was three passes in um you know in four games and what did i read somewhere yesterday or the day before 600 uh passes in, or 600 plays for him and not giving up one touchdown so yeah that's, that's yeah that's in his career yeah that's now, I know people are going to be like, well, you know, you're in the American Athletic Conference. What's that mean? 
I don't care what conference you're in. If you haven't given up a touchdown your whole college career yeah. so far, that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah, well, there's a guy coming in this weekend from Temple. His name's Jaden Blue. He caught 95 passes in, in uh, 2019. So he's going to be matched up a lot in the boundary side against Sauce. So we'll see how he does against people that, you know, and, and I don't think people are afraid to throw against him. Part of it is the position he plays in the short side of the field. Um, but at the same time, there's no doubt about it that they do stay away from him and they'd rather go to the wide side of the field where you've got more lanes and, and more space to throw. And not to mention you've got, you know, safeties that are covering people, not necessarily a shutdown corner. Right. And, you know, on the other side, Kobe Bryant's not bad himself. He's going to nope. get a shot in the NFL as well. This is this is I mean, honestly, this is probably no, no I'm actually probably this is the most talented you see football team ever i mean it is we're going to have multiple draft picks we're going to have at least two or three i think first round picks so this is definitely the most talented uc team ever so my question is how we we were there for the the high of the brian kelly era you know going to the sugar bowl and going to the orange bowl how this to me seems different it seems more sal solid something that that, that isn't just going to be here for a couple years and even if luke which hopefully luke won't leave even if luke leaves i think it's something that's sustainable especially with us moving into the big 12 yes i i think i think you're 100 right um you look at that first year four and eight luke was in you know the stuff the players he inherited from tommy tuberville and a few that he was able to bring in that um could could play right away um the talent level was equal to when Brian Kelly, eh, I won't say that. I think he inherited, I think Brian inherited more from Mark D'Antonio right. than, Luke, than Luke inherited from Tommy Tuberville. I know oh, that, that's y'all. That, that for a fact. <laughs> yes, yeah. I agree with that completely. No doubt about it. But the, 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 the formula was different. Luke decided, okay, I might go four and eight year one. I don't know what's going to happen in year two. We'll be better, but we're okay building this slowly from the base. And, you know, we're going to bring in high school kids that we like, good character, you know, get them in here. We're going to develop them along the way. If we can get a four star along the way, great. But we're happy with two and three stars, which is what they had those first three years. Their right. first four star was uh, Evan Prater, of course, from Wyoming. Mm -hmm. and, and now I think what you're going to see, well, first of all, those two and three stars that we saw on the field this past week at Notre Dame were honestly better football players than most of the Notre Dame players. Right. Yeah, Notre yes. Dame has a few guys that are really, really good and going to be great NFL players as well. But overall, the talent overall, yeah, overall, we're on that team. field, yeah. advantage Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And that goes to the coaching That goes credit to the coaching staff at Cincinnati. Brian Kelly's starting with four and five stars, and now all of a sudden the Cincinnati two and three stars are better than those four and five stars. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, what can you do when you bring in three, four, and five-star players to Cincinnati and you develop them the same way. And that's where I think we're going. And I, to your comment about this being different and being long-lasting, I think that's where we are. And yes, you're right. Hopefully Luke Fickle does stay. And if he does, he's going to be able to continue to develop that talent with the Big 12 looming a year or two down the road. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, those doors are going to start opening for those five stars right. mm -hmm. or at least those four stars. And, and not that they're doing a horrible job at recruiting right now because they're not. They're doing a great job. They're doing it with the, you know, the best resources they can and they're making it work. Um, and what it's only going to be enhanced, as we saw in basketball already, by them. Uh, getting a commitment from a four-star. Yep. Because of the Big 12, it's going to open some doors for him. 
And, and you know, there's no indication to me that Luke Fickle's leaving. Yeah, there's a few jobs out there if they would open up that you know we're going to have to worry about. Um, I don't. I don't think USC is one of them. I just cannot. I don't I just, believe so either. I, I just can't. I don't know. They say because Boone's out there, but I just can't see Luke. Luke's an Ohio guy. You know, I, I can't see him. His, his recruiting base is around here. I mean, you know, it's not. He doesn't go out to California. So I, 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 I might be wrong, but I, I hope I'm not. I mean, the jobs that will scare me. That obviously Ohio State. If that ever opens up, I think he's. I think he's gone, and I think sure. Notre Dame is another one too. I think I those agree. two. Other than that. He, he might he might stay here for a while. He's already turned down Michigan yeah. State, so right. that's right. one down. Yeah. yeah, I mean those two are are a given, you know. And I, he's never come out and said that, but I don't. He's never also denied it. But, right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, those are those are solid jobs right now for the two folks that are there, Ryan Day and Brian Kelly. But um, you know, who knows? You know, <laughs> you might get tired of the you know the BS from the fan base and say, you know, I'm going to try the NFL and right. Brian Kelly. Right pops to the NFL or Ryan Day goes to the NFL, you know, and one of those jobs opens, um, you know, and there's probably a few others. I don't know, Penn State, yeah, you know, things like, you know, so. We'll it'd, it'd be one of the ones that are closer to this area. Would, yeah, would have a better exactly. shot. More of a, I won't call it a Midwestern program, but it's got the right. blue collar mentality right. that Luke has as well. So I'm not going to worry about that right now. No, 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 no. We have he's given no indication that, he, I mean, he's making good money here. He likes the way this is going. They've already made commitments to do some of the uh, the enhancement and improvements in the facilities. They're getting a new locker room. They're getting an, an indoor practice facility. Um, you know, I, I don't see any reason for him to go anywhere right now. He likes what's going on here. And if you look around the country, there's a handful of jobs where guys like Luke Fickle have had opportunities to move on. Right. And all of a sudden you blink your eye and they're in their 12th year, you know, right. 13th year. You know, um, and they like it. Patterson down at uh, TCU, places mm-hmm. like that. You know, well, so. and the thing is too, with, with us moving to the Big Twelve, the opportunity to win a national title to to get into the pro football or the college football playoffs will be there. That's I mean, correct. I, I don't That's know how how you you feel about this. I mean, I, I I think if UC goes and wins out, they should get into the college football playoffs. But I just don't think they'll let us in. I still don't. I just. I think there's it's too much of the power five. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, and, and maybe it's it's I'm preparing myself for that. But I, I, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think you got to look at it this way: Georgia and Alabama are givens, mm-hmm. um, regardless of oh, yeah. how, what they do when they play each other, maybe yeah. twice. Um, they're they're both really really good football teams. Absolutely. Uh, what I think a key component there is what happens in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you got four teams right now playing lights out football, and that is Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State. I won't say lights out, but and then Michigan, of course. Um, Ohio State showed some vulnerability early, lost to uh, to Oregon, and has played a couple of other games. But I think Ohio State's a team that the more they play, the better they're going to get. Right. Um, and I, you know, Iowa and, and um, Iowa and uh, Penn State play this weekend, so one of the two of them is going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's early enough in the year, like Ohio State, right. you can lose a game and that it. isn't going to kill you. Yeah. You play the you play the rest of the year, you know, lights out or you play well, you're going to find yourself at number three, whether you're Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Michigan, or uh, or Iowa. 
Right. So we'll see where that goes. You know, the, the, that fourth spot right now that I believe Oklahoma has, or mm-hmm. not right now, it's the two Big Ten. Well, they haven't done the college football playoffs, but in the polls, right, right, right. I think it's or it's uh, I think it's um, Iowa and Penn State right now. But you think about that, one of those is probably going to disappear. Mm-hmm. It could be Ohio State moving up, but then you got Oklahoma, and they've they've struggled a little bit, and somebody else could certainly move up into that. You know, what would be fighting Cincinnati for that fourth spot. And who knows, with the Big Ten, maybe they beat each other up so bad, you know, none of them get the number three. They all got a couple of losses, you know, yet to be determined. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't I, – I think there's enough focus right now on a, you know, a group of five team that is really good getting in. Right. I don't think they get screwed out of it, um, but I also don't think – that people are going to magically just put them in because, hey, this is the highest ranked right. group of five team we've ever had. You know, I, I think they're going to still struggle to get in, even if they go, even if they go thirteen and zero, and that right. win in the conference championship game. Yeah, that, that's where that's where I think is, is, and I know Luke doesn't like this part, but I, this is where I think we Bearcats have to destroy everybody. I mean, you got if you get up by. Two touchdowns. You need to get up by four touchdowns. You need. Yeah. We need to keep adding on and adding on. Going look, we are this much better than everybody in the conference, and that to me, if they do that, then I think they have a a, a better. Obviously, they have a better chance of getting in. I I hate that about college football, but it is what it is. I mean, if we go in there and like uh, we're coming off the like I said, this Friday night I think could be a trap game to be honest because we're coming off the high of Notre Dame. It is a short week. It's Friday night instead of Saturday. So, you know, it is it is something that I'm hoping that the Bearcats come in and they're ready to go and we just blow the doors off Temple because Temple, you, they basketball and football, they always seem to play off us tough for some reason. Well, I would agree with you there. Temple's, they're no they're no slouch. And right. you know, they beat a good Memphis team. They were down 17 to nothing in the second quarter and came back and won that game this past week. Um, and, um, yeah, and I honestly, you know, I agree with you on the short weeks. It's usually not a good thing, but in this case, I think after the Notre Dame high, um, the fact that they have to turn around and start practicing right away again, allow, they don't get as much time to sit and say, woo, we are, we great. You know, right, right, right. Um, They go right back at it. So I think they're going to be ready to play. I'll tell you the thing that I think is going to be the biggest for them is nip at night. And yes. it's sold out. And I can tell you when I say sold out, there's been a lot of other sold out games where I can go down to the ticket office and say, hey, can I can I get four tickets? I'm good with two here and two here. Right. I went to the ticket office trying to get I'm trying to get six tickets. And they go, Jim, we don't have any. <laughs> it's sold. Zero. It's no. sold, sold out. It's out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, that being said, it's parents weekend. Um, so a lot of parents were coming in and bought those tickets in advance. The Temple game's been sold out for a while, but right now, I mean, there is nothing. You know, you can go on the secondary markets and get it, of course. Right, but right. Um, you know, um, that being said, I, I think it's going to be a rocking atmosphere. And and I hate to say this, but it might be the only night game at Nippert this year. You oh. don't know that I'm down the road, but right, the uh, UCF game time has been announced, and it's going to be a noon game. Oh. Which, if you think about the last time UCF was here, that was a, that was a magic night as well. Yes, so it was. I, I, I think you know I, I was at that game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was the 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 rise of Sauce Gardner. Yep. <laughs> but that being said, I I think uh, I think they'll be ready to play. I really do. Uh, but Temple, you're right, gives them fits. They, they yeah. won the last game. I want to say 
16, 13, 15, 13. It was, it was something like that. Yeah. Dog fight. Yeah. That they didn't play, play them last year. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati had COVID issues one week and then Temple never got back into their schedule. They just, right. they gave up after six games. They just had so many issues with COVID. So crazy year last year. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad that we are back to, to, to normal, somewhat normal and, and, and nip at night. And you and me were talking about this before the show started. I I've said this on my show. I think Nip at Night is one of the best college venues around. I'm not saying it's better than anybody else's. It is up there. It's got to be top 10 at least as far as environments go. With Like I said, the, the, the stadium is in the middle of the campus. It's in the hole. They've been playing football there for 100 years. The sound just hovers around. It doesn't get out of there. It's it's close. You know, it it's awesome. I, I love Nip at Night. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the stadium itself is just the fact that it is in the heart of the campus. It's right there. It, you're, you're close. Your sight lines are great no matter where you're sitting. And then when you get to the nighttime, I'm trying to think of other ones I've seen maybe on TV that really kind of stand out to me. LSU is one at night that just I think is a little more special than during the day. Um Clemson, I it just looks pretty special at night, you know. And now those are bigger stadiums. Yeah, there's something about the intimacy of Nippert that's just absolutely yes. unbelievable. And and you, I got to give credit to the uh, to the students. Mm. They, oh, they the ruckus! Oh, they're, they're unbelievable. Yeah, the ruckus. They are mm. absolutely unbelievable, and they make a difference. Um, you know, the band is is phenomenal at Nippert. Um, oh, the running down the stairs. That that to yeah. me that is one of the coolest things. I, I don't know how <laughs> they. Uh, we've seen them fall, but most time they don't fall. And I'm like that. I'm like, I can't wait for that. I want to get into the stadium and when I, I hear the trumpets. I'm like, ah, let's go! That just fires me up and see them flying down the hill or down the steps. It is so cool. Yeah, I think the only thing they need is a guy with a big Bearcat flag to lead them down the steps there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that'll be a guy that'll fall down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get into um, Desmond Ritter here. Yeah, and. He is a dark horse for for the Heisman, um, and he's proven he can win in a, in a big game versus Notre Dame. Granted, he got off to his usual slow start, like he, he always does. But once he's on, he's on. What do you think he's going to at least get invited to New York, or, or where do you think he's at on that? Yeah, there's way too many games to speculate on that. Um, you know what. What he is, you hit on it right away. He's 34 and four mm-hmm. as a starter. That is like pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, he's the winningest quarterback in, in all of college football right now. Not not in history, but right, 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 right now. Yeah. Current players. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but his stats are, I won't say underwhelming because the, the number one stat he has is he's four and oh. Right. Um, but winning. <laughs> if you're looking at, Okay, you want somebody that throws for, you know, 360 yards a game or, you know, runs the ball for 180 yards at the quarterback spot or a tailback. Um, That's not him, but he makes plays. And you're right. There are times when it looks like he gets off to a slow start or that he's maybe struggling a little bit. And I don't know that that's always the case. I will say this. The you know, they've seen enough of him that they know how to take things away from him. And, you know, if, if you look at. The deep, what defenses are doing this year, that RPO that they ran so successfully last year that he would run the ball on and or throw the ball to, in most cases, Josh Wiley or sometimes Lenny Taylor. Right. They've taken that play away. All four teams they've played have taken that play away. So 
Um, but the fact of the matter is he's a winner. He, he's a, you know, um, no doubt people have seen him on TV or seen interviews with him. He's a great guy, a great, you know, great father, a great, you know, just a, just a great guy. Right. Um, I hope that we get that chance. That would be really neat to see him up there with, awesome. you know, three other guys at the end right. of the year. Um, and, and winning can do that for you. His stats, you know, were not bad at all this week. No. You know, 19 out of 31 for 297 yards, two touchdowns, and he ran for another one. So that's not horrible, but they're looking for those guys. I shouldn't say they're looking for it, but they want, you know, the guys, the the, the rattlers that throw for 300, and, you know, from Oklahoma that throw for 350 yards a game. But you also look at um, Dylan Gabriel, who unfortunately at UCF who got hurt. You know, early yep. in the year, his name was in there because he was throwing for 360, 380 yards a game. But then again, he's getting picked off two, three times a game. Right. You right. know, so it, it really comes down to doing what you do best, moving the football, keeping your drives alive and scoring touchdowns and winning football games. It, it's hard to argue that Des Ritter doesn't do any of those things. It's It started in his first game he took over, the UCLA game. Yeah. yeah. First game. He was uh, asked that question yesterday at a press conference. Do you remember, um, can you believe how far you've come since that first drive when you took over at UCLA? And he said, you know, it's funny, that play sticks in my mind. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I was nervous as heck. I went back. I was a zone read. I I got cold cocked and lost four yards on the play. So (laughs) his first ever play, you know, he got, he he pulled the ball out, went to run around the end. Somebody was there, took him down for a four-yard gain. Right. And, uh, you know, he hasn't looked back since, but um, uh, he remembers it well. And um, he, he just has grown since then. He really oh, has absolutely. grown every year and he really looks poised out there. And that's the yes. key. Um, you know, some of those passes, a couple that I mentioned earlier that he threw to Pierce, two that he threw to Taylor. He just hung in there and put him right in the right spot. You know, absolutely. he that one to Taylor, the last one in the last drive uh, that was, I don't know, 30 some, 40 some yards. Can't remember exactly. He puts too much air under that. The safety knocks it down or picks it off. He puts too little air under it. Um, it you know, Taylor has to come back and, and go up for a contested ball. So he just threw it absolutely beautifully. Yeah, he 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 had like I said, after a shaky start, he got, he he got going, and once he's on, he's on. And it, it's I would I don't know. Again, it's a long shot. I hope he at least gets invited. That would be cool. Well, well let's um let's yeah. let's get to to uh, your background as far as uh uc goes now me i start i not started but started watching uc football when, when i was little was really nothing you know nobody nobody really cared about it. it was kind of an afterthought i mean the first games i went to at nipper tim murphy who is the harvard head coach he left uc to go to harvard he's still their head coach that's who was the head coach there and there was barely anybody at nipper and i know you played for the team in the 70s you've been broadcasting for 36 years now is that, uh, is that 31 right? 31 years okay so how did you get to to the University of Cincinnati and and then broadcasting and all that stuff? How did how did all that stuff come about? Well, so yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised here, born on the West Side. Um, I knew you, I liked you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might not after this next comment. <laughs> you left. <laughs> well, I moved. Yeah, my my dad was the uh, became the head football coach at Deer Park High School. Okay. So we moved to the East. We moved to uh, Deer Park, Dillonvale area. Um, in, in 1953 when I was one and um, grew up in that area, moved eventually to Blue Ash, went to Muller High School. Um, Big move. Yeah, yeah. Played for Jerry Faust. 
Um, he's a pretty good coach. Yeah, he did okay. He's okay. <laughs> uh, at least as a high school coach. Um, <laughs> right. The folks at Notre Dame, they still love him, though, even though he didn't have a great career there as far as wins and losses. But good man, no doubt about it. And um, anyway, you know, ended up having a successful high school career. He was recruited by a lot of different schools. Um, chose Cincinnati for a lot of reasons. Um, one, uh, they wanted to throw the football, which was important to me, being a receiver. Secondly, my dad was on the staff there. So, um, and, you, you know, I kind of had the, the, at least the idea. And uh, a lot of the guys now that you see in a recruiting is saying hometown heroes. It was like, you, know, you can, you can stay home and go to your, your, your in-city school and still feel like you're away at college. And that's exactly the way it felt right. to me. Mm-hmm. I was 16 miles away from home, but always felt like I was away, you know, never right, had right. to feel like I was at home. And, and we, um, my freshman year, we, we had a, just the, uh, the coaches did a great job of recruiting the city, ton of all city kids. And um, we had, we had the makings of a really, really good team with a whole lot of local flavor on it and ended up going two and nine that year. And the head coach got fired. The new head coach came in, this guy by the name of Tony May. That was, that coach was a guy by the name of Ray Callahan. Uh, Ray had been at Kentucky and a few other places in the South. And then Tony Mason became the head coach. He was the defensive coordinator right before that at Purdue had been the defensive coordinator at Michigan as well. And had a different mentality uh, was more of a typical Michigan coach at back in the seventies, you know, the Bo Schembeck or Woody, Woody Hayes type three yards in a cloud of dust. Right. So he ran the ball a lot. I blocked a lot. I still led the team in, in receptions three years in a row in 73, 74 and 75. So had a good career and uh, you know, went on. And uh, while I was there, I was in the uh, CCM broadcasting school but like a typical 20-year-old, I got to that point and said, I don't think I want to do that and uh, <laughs> switched into uh, a business major and uh, just kind of left broadcasting as an afterthought. Well, in 1988, um, Greg Cook, I believe, was the analyst and was giving it up at that point in time. And I threw my name in a hat, went down, did an audition, got the job, stayed 88 through, through 91. You mentioned the Tim Murphy years. Tim Murphy was the coach in 91 when I left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I chose to leave because, um, number one, the Bearcats were struggling. All those things that you mentioned about nobody right. in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was an 81 to nothing loss at Penn State. Oh, My partner yes. that at that point was a guy named Paul Keels, who's the voice of the Buckeyes yep. right now. Mm-hmm. Paul and I looked at each other and we just shook our heads. And it was like uh, after that year, I decided, you know, I had four little kids at home playing soccer and football and a wife running around trying to get them all to their games. And I said, that's ah, just not worth it. So I left for a few years and then Greg Cook again had come back. And in 95, he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. I was able to uh, to get the job then back in an 80 in, in uh, I've stayed since 95 through uh, through the current years. So I worked for initially the first year, Dave, not worked for, but head coach was Dave Curry mm-hmm. and Tim Murphy, then Rick Minner for a lot of years. Uh, then Mark D'Antonio, yep. Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, Tommy Tuberville, and now um, Luke Fickle. There you go. I got a question here from a Crypt Keeper in the chat. He says, Mr. Kelly, did you get to watch Greg Cook play at UC? Yeah, so huge advantage. Um, my dad was on the staff and was calling the plays then. He was the oh, receiver nice. coach. I At ages 13 and 14, I was the ball boy. Ah, so cool. I stood on the sideline and got to see Greg Cook play. Oh, that's that's a the that's other good. ball boy with me. If, and this goes way back in Crypt, Keep, 
Crypt Keeper might not remember this game, or I don't know his age, obviously. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, Jim O'Brien in 1968 kicked a, a 40-some-yard field goal to beat Miami 23-21 at Nippert. And at that time, this is a great story, at that time – all the games were played at Nippert every right. year for the Miami-Cincinnati game. But you traded off game balls. Instead of going to Oxford to Cincinnati, Oxford to Cincinnati, all you did was trade the game balls. Really? And this was Miami's year for the game ball. And when O'Brien kicked that field goal, the other ball boy, a guy by the name of Larry Peterson, um, caught the ball and ran into the locker room to hide it and keep it with the <laughs> Miami managers chasing him. So... Um, great story. And then That's the awesome. next year, the next year, the the Cincinnati game ball when Miami won uh, was ripped out of our hands. So by the Miami <laughs> yeah. guys, so they got we're taking this one. <laughs> they got even. But um, yeah, so I did get to see Greg Cook play. Um, I saw that Miami game where he just threw for just a ton of yards. There was another game. It was with Ohio University at Nipper. Uh, their quarterback was a guy by the name of Cleve Bryant, who for a short time, I believe, was their head coach up at, in Athens as well. But Greg Cook threw for, you know, 400-some yards, and Cleve Bryant threw for 400-some yards. Wow. Fantastic game. So I did get to see Greg Cook play. And then, of course, followed him when he was with the Bengals. And, and actually, um, as I moved on and then was out of high school, when Greg hurt his shoulder and got surgery and was trying to make a comeback after, you know, being with the Bengals, we would work out on campus, those of us that were local, the UC players, right. and Greg would come down and throw with us. So I actually oh, got cool. to catch Greg Cook a while, too. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool right there. It was. It was neat. That's neat. Of course, I knew him pretty well because of my dad. Right. So, right. And he would call from time to time and say, hey, you want to go down and catch some passes? Yep, sure. Be, be right <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, yep. So I noticed you, that you got some cool uh, UC football helmets uh, behind you there. And uh, you, you got some – actually, you got one that – Greg Cook wore. Did you I do. I do. I don't have this one up on the wall, but yeah. um, and it put my number on the back. How about that? So, <laughs> um, yeah. So this is, uh, I think, sixty-six through sixty-eight, and I've got a couple of other ones here that I don't have on the wall. This is the one prior to that, and you can see how they just get a little bit more sophisticated all the time. Right. I mean, you've seen what they are today. You just never know. So, um, you know. Way back to the uh, the, the early uh, to the mid to late sixties, and then I, I love that first one. That one's really cool. Yeah, it is. And beyond that, this is the one we used in the seventies when yep. I played. The difference between this one and the one over my left shoulder is this one has a black uh, inside the UC, and the one right. up on the That's wall white. has white inside. And then, last but not least, I think I don't remember exactly if this is late seventies. Early 80s. Yeah, that's down. Yeah, I remember that's yeah. the 80s. I remember that one. Yeah, 80s. 80s yeah. yeah, I think they even had that like in the beginning, the 90s. I think Tim Murphy. I think that's it might have been the 90s. They didn't yeah. have the C yeah. because they got the C Paul. My freshman year was 94, and that's when the um, yeah. um oh Jesus. Um Delica, I can't think of his name now. Um oh who's the coach that started it after Tim Murphy? Why well, can't I think of his name now? Uh Rick Minner. Rick Minner, thank you. Yeah, I have brain cramps from Every once in a while, that's the year he started. I think that's right around when they started doing the C Paul. Maybe it was a couple of years before that. Uh, it, no, it's definitely Rick Minner. So they had the straight up C Paul, which is um, let me pull this one down. Yeah, this is from yeah, the there you go. Yep, yep, straight yep, up C Paul before they yep. did the kind of the curly one. So, right, yeah. Um, I, at one point, I was going to try to get every helmet and uh. Hang 
And uh, they just change them so often anymore. I can't keep up. Right. Uh, Casey Lockhart says he needs he needs all that. He needs all your helmets. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So yeah, Casey, come on over. I got a lot of other stuff down here you'd like as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you got a lot of stuff. I, I would love to to see some some of the other things you have from, from just UC history. I think it's. Yeah, I, I have some. Um, well, cool. yeah, I do. I've got a lot of neat things. I've um, shoot. I don't know what I. I got literally hundreds hundreds and hundreds of signs from radio booths and press passes and bowl stuff and wow programs. I got a lot. So I've, awesome. I've been very fortunate. Yeah. That is very, very cool. Now get to the radio booth. What, what is, um, what is it like working with Dan Horde? I think Dan Horde is one of, if not the best uh, play-by-play guy around as far as college football. And he also does, does the Bengals and his call at the end of that game was <laughs> unbelievable. And the, you're, you're buying when he's doing, he's doing this stuff. Does he have it written down or does it just come off the top of his head or, or what? Yeah. So um, he swears it comes off the top of his head, but <laughs> that end of the Notre Dame game, somehow I don't know that I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. So I, so I knew once the game was in hand that he was going to do have something. So he certainly had some time to think about it. Mm-hmm. The two kneel downs and probably a little bit before that, you figured he had it. We had the game one. Um, and I decided, okay, as big as a game as this was, and I've been known to do some screaming and yelling in the booth. But yeah, I've heard you. It's awesome. This, I love it. <laughs> yeah, this game was in hand, and knowing that he was going to have a classic, you know, a classic ending close, I decided, okay, I'm not saying a word. So right. I took my headset up and pushed it over the top of my head. So even if I said something, it wouldn't be very audible. And he just killed it. Oh, like he always does. Um you know, so most of the time it's you don't know. Like, for example, if a touchdown happens real quick, mm-hmm. he's he, he can't have a chance to plan that. You right, know, right, right. It's coming off the top of his head. In this case, he had a few plays to come up with the UC, which yeah, is so great. Oh my God. Yeah. And even in the beginning of the game, the reference to the green and the red and the Christmas present. <laughs> yes, yes. You know? I mean, yes. where does he come up with this? I, 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 you know, the funny thing is because because uh, we were beginning of the game, I, I, I try to get the TV synced up with the radio because I'd much rather listen to you guys. But it was just getting so hard. And yeah, I, so I, so I heard the beginning of it, and I didn't hear Dan's horde, his call, your guys' call, till afterwards, which I was too busy screaming and running around my my uh, my neighborhood anyway. You're trying to catch your breath. <laughs> exactly. After your lap. <laughs> yes, after my lap. I was trying to catch my breath. That That is the truth, too. I was tired. But <laughs> um, when I heard that, uh, I don't know, the, that later on that night or, or the next, whenever I heard it, I'm not like kidding. I, I would get goosebumps. I mean, it, yeah. it was it was, it was was electric. And and the, the cool thing, and I think it's also because of how much that, I'll put it this way, how much winning that game meant to me. As a Bearcat fan, it was awesome, and hearing Dan Hoard sum it up like that was just great. See, but your you are you, your emotions were shared with I don't even know how many 20,000 people. The ones at the game, plus others back in Cincinnati mm-hmm. watching it on TV or listening on the radio. I, I can't tell you. I, and if you heard what I said after I gave him, you know, ten seconds or so after his call, I just said unbelievable and then i said i i I can't say anything right now and it's because i was i was breaking up i was crying yeah Um, and and i can't tell you how many people have said the same thing to me i had you know people that have come up to me and said i you know look i couldn't talk i had tears 
rolling out my eyes. Mike Denbrock was crying. Um, you know, the offensive coordinator. It just it, it was it was magic. I mean, it really is. And um I don't know. You you, you yeah. cannot recreate things like this. I've had it happen, obviously. Uh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh game back in 2000. I was there. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's been other games as well. Right there. Um, Pike the bends. I got the, yeah, the bobblehead right there. Yeah. I mean, so it happens. And, um, but at the same time, um, it, it, it meant a lot. And having Dan Hoare, those that did hear it, and Dan's, um, I've, I've had so many, I've had more people ask me for the call for this one than, I've ever had to ask, and I promised it to some po- folks. And talking to Dan last night at the coaches' show, he, he it takes him a while to do some downloading to get it to where it can be put out there to be um, listened to. And he's right. in the process of doing that. So those that have asked, or anybody that's on on your show, Ice, that wants to listen to it, look for Dan to put it out there. He's going to send it to me as well. So follow me on Twitter or Facebook, and I'll have it out there as well when I get it. So. Dan did a great job. And, and let me talk a little bit more about him because um, first of all, he, he, he's, he's got a lot of talent, but he, he does his homework unbelievably. He, he studies, he spends a lot of time knowing, you know, the Cincinnati side of things, but right now I guarantee you, he's going to know as much about Temple as he knows about Cincinnati by the time we get to Friday. And, and, and lastly about Dan, in an industry, and we all know somebody that's a sportscaster or a writer or, you know, whatever is, is somebody that's uh, in the media, um, you know, somebody like Strawberry Ice, um, you know, that, <laughs> it, it, and I, I'm teasing about you, but yeah, it's an industry where people can get big heads for oh, yeah. because they get themselves on the air. Right. Dan is the most down to earth, down yes. to earth, great person that you would ever want to know. He, yes. um, do anything for you. He just, um, just, just a great guy. Absolute great guy. I, I second it. He, he's unbelievable. He's, he's been on my, all my show. I went down, um, last week to the Holy grail and I came up and, and said, hi, I didn't even know if he knew who I was. He's a, and he, he's, he said, strawberry ice, Jeff, how you doing? I was, he knew exactly who I was. Had a great conversation with him. I mean, he's, he's the best. I mean, I, 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 I can't say, I don't even know him personally like you do, but just, just, just the little interactions I've had with him. He's awesome and unbelievable. And yeah, you're right. There, there are people who, who get in this industry, which I'm not technically in the industry. I mean, I wanted to <laughs> never got hired on. So I decided to do this, but yeah, there's people under that. They, they think they're, you know, they're up here and everybody's down here. Yeah. That's not Dan. That's, it's that's not, not everybody. Dan. There's a lot of, there's a lot of other really nice people in the industry, but yeah, we all know somebody along the way that let it go to their head. And you know, exactly. yeah, like, don't you know who I am? Type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like me, don't you know who I am? I'm strawberry ice. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you're a different well, Jim, story. You're, you're really uh, famous. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm famous for a fat guy run. <laughs> <laughs> well, more famous now than you were last week at this time. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that is true that is true well jim i appreciate you coming on you've been on for almost an hour i appreciate it um i knew i do know you you uh play uh you're a guitarist i haven't got to that part of you um are you playing any any venues anytime soon um yeah so i've, I've got a few I, I unfortunately in the fall it becomes really tough um because you know you might know that you have a game at home on let's take the ucf game um you know, you knew early in the year you were playing that game on the, what would that be? The 16th of October, right? Right. But when they don't assign a time, 
it's right. a little hard to commit to play somewhere on a Saturday night when that might be a night game or even if it's a 3.30 game. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it. In this case, it ended up being a, uh, a noon game. So it, if I could find some place to play, I could do that. So I, I my point is I cut back a little bit. Um, and I, I did have one book for Friday the 15th, but I have a commitment now tying into UC football that I had to back out. But my schedule is at uh, jimkellymusic.com. I've got a couple coming up at the uh, – I haven't got them all posted yet. Um, I'm Monkey Bar up in Mainville. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I love that place. Yeah, uh, MVP up in uh, Silverton. Um, got a couple of other ones that I haven't got dates firmed on. But come, come uh, January, February, assuming that – you know, COVID stays kind of where it is right now and, and bars still have music. Um, I'll be, uh, I'll be, you know, just, just check there from time to time. And I do put it up on, I have a, a Facebook music page as well, which is Jim Kelly Acoustic Music. I'll post it on there where I'm playing as well. Right now, just don't have a whole lot of jobs because I don't have time to play them. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a little busy, especially, yeah. especially with UC football going on. And, and we're, we're going to, there, there's a, for some reason, I don't know. It just seems like this might align. If the Bearcats do get in the college football playoffs, it might be a, a Georgia Cincinnati, uh, uh, repeat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that would be Find great. That, that would be, be cool. The, the Georgia fans that, that watch me on the show that they, they want that, they want a rematch. So I said, me too. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I, I'm telling you what, Georgia's really good. Oh, I they mean, are. Oh, Georgia and Alabama really are both good. really good. I, they were really good last year. And, right. and you know, and I, I, I haven't seen the one thing about doing these games is you get to watch a little bit of everybody, but you don't get to sit down and watch a game in its entirety. Or if I do, it's usually when I get home at night and I'm watching UCLA play Arizona state right, and it's right. like, you know, yeah. Okay. A quarter. And then I fall asleep. But, um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, the George is really good. And um, yep. you know, if you look at their schedule, you know, I know Kentucky's doing real well right now. And yeah, they beat Florida for the first yeah, time. Know, Georgia, and, and, you know, Kentucky's got to play Georgia and we'll see how that goes, but um, you know, nothing against the wildcat fans, but, my money's on the Bulldogs right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I, I think, I think Georgia's going to, going to get them. But hey, you never yeah. know. It's why you play the game. But we'll see. I mean, we'll I, see. I, it would be great if we got to play them again. Yeah, I would love it. I, I, I would because I get to go talk smack to Georgia fans again. So I'd have there to, you I'd go. That's fun. All well, right. Jim, I appreciate you coming on the show. We definitely have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Any, yeah. Anytime great you want to come on, hit me up. Let me know, and I appreciate it, man. Okay. Yeah, maybe a little further down the road here in football season. Sounds good. All right, go Bearcats. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope you appreciate that as much as I did. That was a lot of fun. Jim Kelly's a great guy. I he really liked my my victory lap. So <laughs> that was kind of kind of cool. I got to talk to, to Jim Kelly and I've had Dan Horde on. I had Jim Kelly on now. I've had Dave Lapham on. It's pretty cool. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying being able to do this. And as always, I won't be able to do it unless you guys watch. So I appreciate you guys. So that brings me to my uh, Facebook groups that let me live stream. They are Hooday Nation, Hooday Legion. Bearcat Ruckus. I think I'm on all of them today because I had Jim Kelly on. So I'm, I'm going to name them all. Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, Bearcat Nation, Bearcat Land, and Bearcat Fan Page. I think it's the other one. And also, you got the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home. And then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I'm over a thousand on followers on all those except TikTok. So if you guys like TikTok and silly videos, check me out on, on TikTok. 
I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight. If you missed any of Jim Kelly's interview, and you want to check out tomorrow, you can't sit and watch me for an hour. Go listen to it. I'm on Bean Pod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you download it, like it, rate it, review it, leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. YouTube, you guys are awesome. We're rolling. We're at 1,387 subscribers. That is awesome. As, as, as always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Like I said, I wanted to do this out of college. Didn't get a job. Got a wife. Got family. Got a real job. So I'm doing this now. I appreciate you guys subscribing and supporting the show. Thank you very much. And as my boy, Jeremy Dimebag, these nuts likes to say, remember one thing and one thing only. And that is, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Hootay, I can't wait till Friday night. Nip at night is going to be fun. The Bengals are going to take on the Packers. Seems like everybody's healthy. This could be good. Another good week for UC. Like I said. Cincinnati versus everybody. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!